Welcome to another episode of the Second Stringers NBA Podcast. Here we are. The round round one is over. Round two is over, and we've reached the conference finals. Um, and predictably so, with the 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 opponents that we thought were going to be there. I'm talking Cavs, Celtics, Warriors, and Rockets. No surprise there, but in a way, also still a surprise that these were the teams we ended up with, at least on the Eastern Conference side. Uh, what's your first reaction to all this, Sean? I mean, Alan, I just can't believe that everything turned out the way that we thought it would during the preseason. Yeah. And you, you go through everything in the regular season and they have all these cool stories and stuff, and it makes you forget about like how dominant these teams seem to be. Um, mm-hmm. during the season, and then all of a sudden you're just back to square one again. Uh, everything was a formality, and now we're moving <laughs> on to the the conference finals. And You know, I'm still excited about these games. I'm excited to dig into the, how these matchups all went. Uh, but first, I have mm-hmm. a trivia question for you, actually. Um, going off the theme of the Cavs sweeping the Raptors in their series, with the Raptors being a one seed, do you know who the last number one seed was to be swept in the playoffs? Um, let's see. Let's think here for a minute. <laughs> who was the last number? Who was the number one seed last year? The Warriors definitely didn't get no, swept. They did not. Were the Cavs the number one seed? Well, the actually, that doesn't even matter. Not last year. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah the Isaiah Thomas Celtics. Uh, who am I gonna go with here? You know what? For some reason, this name sticks out to me. It might. Am, was it the Dallas? Mavericks who were swept maybe a couple were they swept by the Memphis Grizzlies all those years ago when they got when they were upset so that oh, no, it wasn't actually the, no not... it wasn't the Dallas it was the Spurs it was the Spurs <laughs> nope so it's actually more recent with... than you think it would be it was the 2015 hmm. Atlanta Hawks oh of course <laughs> the Al Harford Paul Millsap Jeff T Kyle Corver yep Atlanta Hawks and by none other than LeBron James of course again yeah <laughs> yeah those teams um that series bear a resemblance to that one where there was a lot of build-up to it that the Atlanta Hawks they actually managed to win uh 60 something games that year and I remember the hype once they were going to meet LeBron James, that that's that's it. That's where LeBron James's road was going to end. Especially considering, I'm not sure if you remember that that Cavs team did not have Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. I think maybe played in one of those games in that series. Oh, I I didn't know Kevin Love wasn't there yet. Actually, yeah, that was the year that um, Kelly Olynyk like, like pulled Kevin Love's shoulder out of place, so he had oh. to miss the rest of those playoffs. Oh yeah, wow. Man, and then LeBron just went out, did business. Everyone doubted, and sure enough, he came through with a sweep there. Three years later, here we are again. Yeah, yeah here we are again. Um, yeah, so that's impressive. It's cool that LeBron James is back in the Eastern Conference Finals. But before we head be- head into the outcomes and talk about that, the outcomes of some of these playoff series, let's talk about Stan Van Gundy, who has parted ways with the Detroit Pistons after coaching there for four years and also handling basketball operations um, and basketball decisions, frankly, from from my side, I don't think I'm not surprised here at all. I'm I was super surprised he even had this much responsibility. Um, it sucks that they part ways with him, considering he made that huge trade for Blake Griffin. Yeah. He's not going to get to lead. So now the whoever takes takes a hold of this organization has to deal with that. Right. I just think it's really funny because we actually talked about this quite a bit on our last week's podcast where mm-hmm. we broke down like, oh, well, he just got demoted from his president of basketball operations, but he's still the coach. And now he's nothing. Yeah. And it just reminded yeah. me of that question that you asked last week. Like, what's worse, to get demoted or fired? Well, now, yeah. <laughs> what if you get demoted <laughs> and then fired? <laughs> like, right. It's like the worst <laughs> of both worlds. Oh, it, yeah, it's, it's like a punch to the gut. A punch to the gut and then just an uppercut to finish you <laughs> right. off. Right. It's, it's, I mean, I I'm, I feel bad that we're uh, we're laughing at his expense a little bit. But Stan Van Gundy yeah. is respected enough in the NBA um, inner circles. I think he's going to land a job somewhere else for sure. So he won't be out of a job for too much longer. But for now, yeah, yeah. He's, he's no longer a Detroit Piston. Yeah, I almost wonder if he almost feels relieved in a way, maybe. 
considering did that the Pistons team there's a lot there's a lot of pressure considering the payroll that they have um and the names they have on that roster but it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like success is coming their way um at least any time soon they barely missed they missed the playoffs this year I don't think they're going to be any better next year um unless some of these guys make make big big improvements Reggie Jackson Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin but it seems unlikely so it's a tough it's a tough team to inherit so uh, maybe he's a little bit relieved that he doesn't have to deal with this mess next year <laughs> right I mean trading away their first round draft pick too in that Blake Griffin trade they're not really going to see any new talent coming in um, it's all going to have to come through free agency whoever they get unless they can somehow trade back into this deep draft and I mean yeah, yeah like you said like their players are pretty much locked up in their contracts and the Eastern Conference powers are really asserting themselves right now with the Celtics and the 76ers looking like they're going to be around for a long time. LeBron's always going right. to be there and he's not going to Detroit and the Raptors, they're yeah. good too. There's like breaking into the, that top four there in the East is going to be really tough. And especially when you're at a, in a position like the Detroit Pistons, um, it's, it's going to take a heck of a lot of good coaching uh, to get them to write the ship. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they look to hire. I mean, I think Mark Jackson's still out there. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the who brother would be out there. <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy, his oh, brother, man. comes in. That would be <laughs> so mean. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if they did that. It is possible. But, yeah, yeah. I don't really know who's in the front running for them right now, but... Uh, we'll see that story develop in the next upcoming weeks. Um, but the Charlotte Hornets have mm-hmm. a new head coach now. They're finalizing a deal with the Spurs assistant, James Borrego. Um, Alan, yeah. what, what does this name mean to you? What does this, what is this, what do you make of I, it? Uh, and it seems to me like the reason this guy's getting paid and has a head coaching position is not because of his name, but because of the Spurs assist, former Spurs assistant that is tied to his name. I don't know anything about this guy, but if he's a former Spurs assistant, I guess you have to assume that he, um, he's got he's got strong basketball knowledge and he's hungry for a head coaching position. I, honestly, like the Charlotte Hornets have have nothing going for them. Uh, they just got a new GM and Mitch Kupchak as well. So any change I think for this team is good. Yeah, uh, really, they don't have anything to build off. They have a good, I mean, they have a solid roster. It's okay. I mean, they're old. They're owed a ton of money, and it's extremely difficult to improve that roster they already have. So, whoever gets this head coaching job has a challenge ahead of them, and Mitch Kupchak as well does as does as well to try to improve their their already existing roster. Yeah. So let me give you a little uh, Wikipedia history of James Borrego. <laughs> I'm gonna look this up for you okay. guys right now. So he began his co- coaching career uh, at his alma mater, University of San Diego. And he was assistant there from 2001 to 2003. Um, And while he was there, they got the West Coast Conference Championship, uh, made it into the tournament in the 2002-2003 season. And then after that, um, that's when he started uh, as an assistant for the San Antonio Spurs. Um, He spent seven seasons there, uh, being part of the two NBA championship teams in 05 and 07, um, before leaving the team to go with... uh, the Spurs, former Spurs assistant Monty Williams, when he took the head coach job at New Orleans from 2010 to 2012, and then okay, that's one of the years that they made the playoffs. Yeah, and then after that, he joined Jack mm-hmm. Vaughn as lead assistant for the Magic, um, and he actually took over for Vaughn when he got fired um, in 2015, and I think he went 10 and 20 during his time as interim head coach of the magic so not very good but not really his fault because he didn't have a good team yeah and then and then in 2015 he rejoined popovich again and now he's the head coach of the hornets okay so this guy obviously this guy has a ton of experience um yeah his record with the magic i probably wouldn't judge him off that i imagine that was probably a magic team with like a young victor odolipo um evan fournier and probably like post uh dwight howard correct i imagine yeah that was yeah 2015 so yeah, yeah. post dwight howard very little going for that team well that's good um he's got ahead a heck of a challenge um i hope they're patient with him because i think this team 
probably won't see much success for a while <laughs> unless they can somehow yeah. they can dump Luca uh, Batum's contract and turn that into like a I don't even really know. I, I uh, yeah. yeah. There, there's going to be some home run trade that's like almost borderline, uh, actually completely unrealistic. That would be the only way you to improve this team. Yeah, it'll be tough for him. But hey, you want to dig into the matchups now? I think it's about time we yeah. get to that. Let's jump into it. So Warriors beat the the Pelicans four one. I was surprised the Pelicans ended up pulling one game, um, but. They did it, and either way, all they did was just uh, lengthen the amount of time it was going to take for them to get beat Aww. with the Warriors. With with Kevin Durant averaging 27.8 po- points a game, uh, Steph Curry coming back, Draymond Green averaging a triple-double, the Hamptons 5 coming out the last two games to set this team down and get themselves into the Western Conference Finals. Um Not much surprise here from me. Anthony Davis played well. Uh, Drew Holiday played well, but... The Warriors just have too much, too many weapons for this Pelicans team. So the first thing I want to say about this matchup is I'm surprised that you're surprised that the Pelicans won one game. I think, I think they had. We have to give them more respect because they I came out, they swept the yeah. Blazers in the first round, and they did. They were they were playing the, some of the best basketball they've played all season, and they have one of the best players in the league. I, you can't say they're not going to win one game. I'm, I'm, that's not for outside of Anthony Davis. You have a 30 year old Rajon Rondo, Drew Holiday. He's nice, but then you have who do you have? Um, Etwan Moore, <laughs> uh, Darius Miller. Rondo played Amir really Tick well. Amir Tick is though. good. Rondo played really he did. well. Yeah, he stepped up. He could only he could only do so much. I mean, this is a deadly Warriors team. Uh, I mean, Miratic can't switch on anybody. I mean, you put him on Clay Thompson or Curry, it's barbecue chicken, man. <laughs> yeah, no, Miratic was definitely a little lost, especially when they start the game with, with the the death lineup with, mm-hmm. like, KD as the center. He actually took the jump ball for them in that game five when they started with the death lineup. And, yeah, yeah there's just no one for him to match up again. He's, he's too slow. But, yeah, I mean... It's, they're a good team, the Pelicans, and you know they made a much better run than I think a lot of people thought they would make. We yeah. actually picked them to not mm-hmm. even make the playoffs after DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. So all right. in all, I think it's a great season. Alvin Gentry really showed like everything he could do as a coach. So He saved his job. He definitely he saved did. His yeah, job. <laughs> like, if they didn't make the playoffs after DeMarcus Cousins got hurt, it could be a whole different story. But I feel like he's got a very comfortable, safe job now. Yeah, he does. They win for one. I mean, they go. They win one game against the Warriors. Uh, they swept swept the Trailblazers. I mean, yeah, Alvin Gentry saves his job, and Rajon Rondo probably stays on this team next year too. Oh, probably yeah. got himself another contract. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Rondo was probably the biggest part of the reason that the Pelicans got as far as they did in the playoffs. Um, if you watch him mm-hmm. during the games, you could just see he was. He was kind of like a player coach out there. He was orchestrating yeah. the offense, like making them communicate on defense, finding guys with incredible passes that really were reminiscent of prime Rondo. Um, yeah. He was great. Yeah, I was really surprised. Here's one thing that I noticed about Rondo that I thought was silly that the Trailblazers were doing and the Warriors were doing at first too is everybody kind of assumes that Rajon Rondo is this terrible shooter, so you mm-hmm. give him a lot of space. But it's almost counterintuitive because because you give Rondo so much space, you don't pressure him, so it's very easy for him to to find the guys and put the ball where he wants to put it in terms of passing. Yeah, there's no pressure um, on him. Yeah, and it wasn't until the Warriors started pressuring him in like Game Four um, and Game Three that Alvin Gentry had, Alvin Gentry had us finally pull Rajon Rondo out the game towards the end and in favor of like Drew Holiday and uh, Etwan Moore and. Um, that backcourt because I mean when you give Rondo that space and he's even though he can't he's not that great of a shooter though he has improved yeah he, um, he shot he some can, good mid-range jumpers yeah you give him that much space it gives him the opportunity to to put the ball where he wants to put it he doesn't have that much pressure but once you pressure him then I guess he come, he becomes a little bit more ineffective yeah and and on the warrior side I mean I really hate to do this but Draymond Green is playing fantastic right now. 
Yeah, he, he averaged a triple yep. double, like you said. And after mm-hmm. that loss, that one loss to the Pelicans, apparently he couldn't sleep. He was up late watching film <laughs> from the game, trying to figure out how they lost the game. And he even texted Kevin Durant at 4 a.m. in the morning and told him that he needed to be more aggressive, like that he was just being too yeah. passive in that game, and that's that's a big reason why they lost. Then Kevin Durant goes out in game four, spawns with 38 points in a dominating fashion. And you have to think that a lot of that was because of Draymond's text. You know, he's really motivated him, and he's going to keep this team focused as they try to make the finals and go past the Rockets and win another title. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is a group that has a lot of focus issues in the past, and especially during the regular mm-hmm. season this year, we saw that they can, I don't know, just kind of give up on certain days when they don't feel like playing. And I think Draymond is going to be a big part in them actually keeping it together for these last two series, possibly last two series. Yeah, if we, yeah, because when you had heading into this play into the playoffs, if you had to think of things that were hold this Warrior team back, it would be two things. I think it would be one injuries, of course, Um, and but the second one would just be focus. Um, Yeah, like you said, this team through the regular season had patterns of losing focus to close out games or within the third quarter. Um, so against a team like the Pelicans who play aggressive, rely a lot on their defense. And you got a big boy like Anthony Davis in the fr- uh, down and down by the basket. Um, definitely one of the weaker points for this warrior team is their lack of size. So yeah, I mean, if you don't come out and assert yourself and finish the Pelicans off pretty quickly, you could risk giving them the ability to build some momentum. And all of a sudden, they push the series to six games. Right, yeah. And then yeah, and then it goes back to New Orleans and then who knows what happens. But they they yeah, I mean, five. And then I also want Yeah, and I also wanted to mention, yeah, like that last game, it seemed like the Warriors had put it in the bag with they had like a twenty five yeah, point lead, massive. I think, hitting it in the fourth quarter. And the Pelicans chipped away and came back and made it a seven point game with like two minutes to go. It was, yeah. They went on like some I mean, it was still 15 like, and 2 run. It was run. still at that point, uh, like it would still be a miracle for them to win the game. But yeah, the fact that they mm-hmm. fought back shows a lot of spirit too. That's why we got to give this Pelicans team a lot of credit, give Alvin Gentry a lot of credit for keeping these guys motivated in what seems like a near impossible situation. They almost did it. Yeah, exactly. And it'll be interesting to see what the Pelicans do this summer. They got big questions Obviously, you probably bring back Rondo. I don't think he'll he'll take a huge hit on your cap. Nah. I mean, he is. We're talking thirty one, thirty two year old Rondo. Um, but the question, big time, is Demarcus Cousins. Like, will do you sign him for a one year? Will he take a one year? I mean, is there somebody out there that's going to saturate the market for him and actually give him that max contract? Yeah, that that is going to be really interesting. Like, if the if they do have to offer him a max contract, will they take it, or, or are they just happy with Miritich coming back and taking? I don't know, maybe fifteen million a year. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that seems pretty reasonable. And they they had a about the same regular season record winning percentage as they did with Demarcus Cousins than without him. So they might feel like, hey, maybe we don't need Demarcus Cousins. Maybe that he isn't the answer. And especially when you look at playing a team like the Warriors, which you're going to have to do inevitably in the playoffs for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future, where does a guy like DeMarcus Cousins fit in against a death lineup like the Warriors is going to play against them? It's going to be the same thing all over again. So, yeah, I just I don't know. I think if they have to offer him a max, it's, it's going to be really tough for them to want to bring him back. Yeah, they might. If Yeah, if the max contract gets offered to DeMarcus, they might just not – they might not match it and just let him walk, I guess. That's what you do there. And is are we guaranteed that he'll be fully healthy even for the beginning of next season? Mm-hmm. That's true. That is true. I play around with the idea that DeMarcus Cousins is going to get offered a bunch of one-year deals or maybe two-year deals. And if that's the case, I think that's that may not be too big of a risk if you're if you're the Pelicans. Yeah. Um, depending on the dollar amount, of course. If it's between 15 to 20, 25, I don't think it's that big of a risk. Yeah. Like for a one or two. Yeah, as long years. as you're not paying him like thirty five, forty million a year. Like twenty five would be totally fine. Yeah. How much Drew Holiday gets paid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But a lot of it's gonna play based off what what any what other teams do with him. I mean, if somebody all of a sudden you see or the magic offer. Yeah, him a I was max thinking deal. the magic too, because I'm like, what's a crappy team that like just has a bunch of money to blow? <laughs> 
<laughs> the magic. Or I mean the the Lakers. I mean, maybe they don't give him the max, but I mean, oh, why man. would they not offer yeah, they him twenty five? And I really hope they when don't. the Pelicans offer twenty two. I really hope they don't, man. I don't either, but it it's possible. Oh man, no, Paul George or bust, <laughs> LeBron or Kawhi yeah. or bust. No, none of this Demarcus Cousins stuff. That is not what they need. No, I agree. Uh, but let's move on there from Ro- Rockets taking down the Jazz as well, four uh, one. I mean, this this was the second round of four one playoff series. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the Rockets played continued to that pattern, taking down the Utah Jazz. Utah ultimately, I think, had a chance to push this to six or seven games, but the injuries that they had throughout this, um, basically at the start of this series and in the middle of it, I think, just devastated their chances. So. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm not surprised at how this series ended. Right. It's super unfortunate, man. You see Ricky Rubio just playing amazing basketball in that first round against mm-hmm. the Thunder and really a huge part of what they were doing. And now you don't have him for the entire series against this team that, like, you need everyone on deck if you're mm-hmm. going to beat the Rockets. Yeah. And they missed him so much. They like They don't really have a true point guard outside of Ricky Rubio is what you notice when he's out of the game. You're like, okay, now you have Donovan Mitchell playing on the ball way more than he's comfortable doing. And you don't have, they have Royce O'Neal inserted into the lineup and he's a small (laughs) forward. And that's like, that's not a good replacement, but they really had no one else to replace him with. And I mean, Dante Exum got a few more minutes in, but he's more of a shooting guard. And even he got hurt in game five. So it's like, yeah, there's they just ran out of options, and it's kind of unfortunate. It would have been cool to see if they could have stolen another game or two, even against this Rockets team if Rubio was healthy. Um, but I mean, it was clear that Donovan Mitchell was struggling quite a bit without their starting point guard there. Yeah, I mean, you you even had Jay Crowder at points uh, taking the ball up up the court and initiating <laughs> yeah. the, the the start of plays at times like that's not okay uh, joe ingles obviously did it a lot but Don, it definitely fell a lot more to donovan mitchell and it just sucks you lose dante exum who's doing a, a really good job on james harden and it looked like he was going to help help them steal one more game but then he goes down uh you got Derek favors who was questionable at the start of game three ultimately played but um he did complain of still uh, being hindered by the pain of his ankle. Right. Uh, Ricky Rubio obviously straining his hamstring. And Dante Exum also straining his hamstring, which I thought was funny. I, just, <laughs> I was joking around. I was like, man, I wonder if, like, does Quinn Snyder just have these guys just, like, doing sprint repeats out on the track <laughs> or something? <laughs> yeah, man. It's messed up. But, I mean, I think we need to give a lot of credit to Chris Paul in this series. This dude saw yeah. his opportunity to make his first conference finals, and, man, did he show up. That last game, I think it was 41 points, 10 assists, zero turnovers. Yep. And apparently James Harden was sick for that last game too. So he just – because James Harden only got like 18 points in that game five win. Mm -hmm. And Chris Paul just carried the team on his back the entire game. He just wanted it more than anybody. Except maybe Donovan Mitchell. If Man, if he hadn't gotten (laughs) hurt in those last few minutes, bumping knees with James Harden or whatever happened there – like who yeah. knows what could have happened? It was a close game, but Chris Paul just closed it out strong. Yeah, they were fighting back, and I mean that's obviously Utah's biggest point there, and it's something that that had been said before this breaking out of Donovan Mitchell is they don't really have a a score to close out the game. Um, Donovan Mitchell, the rookie, is doing that for them, but you take him out, and that team just completely has nobody. I wish Rudy Gobert would develop some sort of post game or offensive game but he just does not have it yeah Um, him and deandre jordan are such similar players they can dunk a lot but they they cannot create their own shot and they they can block other people's shots though um yeah but another thing about that game five that was pretty interesting is that donovan mitchell scored outscored the rockets in the third quarter to bring them back right that's right 22 points Mm -hmm. in that third quarter he had 24 total for the game so he pretty much showed up for one quarter and that was kind of the story of the series for him. He just could never find a rhythm like he did against the the Thunder in that first round series. But he's gonna come back with a vengeance next year. I think I think he's pretty hungry. Hopefully that injury doesn't hamper <laughs> his summer training too much and we get to see a year two Donovan Mitchell. I'll be really cool. Yeah, he's um by far it's becoming my favorite player out of that rookie class, even more than 
And the Laker rookies, Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball, his his approach to the game and his just watching him play is just awesome, man. It's such a fun experience. It is. And like the demeanor you, he has in like these interviews mm-hmm. that he does too are really cool. Yeah. He's so um I don't know what composed. the right word is. He he's composed, but he's also so um he's got like this fun personality, this funky funny personality about him like he's so giggly right yeah he's just a kid out there man he's having fun (laughs) yeah he really is um but yeah it's funny that you mentioned that third quarter he had against the rockets in that game four game five it was very reminiscent of the third quarter he had against okc and what i believe was um was game six in utah where he pretty much took over and he was the sole reason why they built up uh, that 10 point lead heading into the fourth of that elimination game against okc yeah, man, this, it's amazing what the, this rookie is able to do in like huge situations. Like that veteran, mm-hmm. veterans struggle to play well in these situations, and he did not shy away from the challenge. Um, yeah, yeah Utah, Utah's got something special there. Yeah, and then moving ahead, uh, Utah's gone, sure, in the second round, but this team has a lot of upside, I think. You still got Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, we've been talking about him at 21 years old, and he's locked in for another three years. Unless for whatever reason Utah does not opt into their team option on this guy, which would be yeah, insane. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah right. But uh, Rudy Gobert, you twenty five, and you still have him locked up for another couple years. Joe mm-hmm. Ingles, I mean, he's thirty, but does his game really rely on any youth? Mm, any no, youth? No, he's <laughs> yeah, he shoots threes. That's what he does. Yeah. So you still have him locked up, and Ricky Rubio probably had it easily his best season of his career yeah. i mean this is a guy who never made the playoffs with the timberwolves and was kind of hovering over being labeled a bust as well because he had a lot of hype coming out of spain um but he's still 27 and you got him locked in locked up for one more year alec burks 26 year olds uh royce o'neill 22 <sighs> solid rotation royce players <laughs> <laughs> dante exum young guy but i i think you can still get – I think the Utah Jazz can still manage to get Dante Exum for a cheap price. Yeah, he didn't play well um, enough to warrant, like, any big contract. Mm-hmm. But he played I definitely good think there's more value in him staying in Utah, but I guess it's up to him and his agent. I, w- I would hate to see him go somewhere else. I think he, he Utah's a good fit for him to continue to develop, and he's a young guy, 21 as well. Derek yeah. Favors would be the question here. He's 26. Um I don't, I don't know, know if you talk can afford him. I don't. Oh, really? I don't think you do. Like he's super injury prone, and mm-hmm. I mean, you already have Gobert as your big man. I don't really think there's a need for a post up power forward. You know, like, I mean, he 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 was interesting. He was big in the OKC series, playing them together. Um, yeah, basically, he, he's basically what Rudy Gobert can't do is post up and score on the offensive end uh, when. When you in situations where Rudy Gobert gets into foul trouble, like he found himself in the in the OKC series, yeah. But against a team like the Rockets, who's like he's, they're going to be your competition for the foreseeable future, one one of the mm-hmm. one of the big dogs you're trying to knock off. Favors really doesn't match yeah. up well when you're trying to guard a bunch of three point shots. Same, right. Th- same goes for yeah, a Warriors he- matchup too. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's interesting where where you take this from here because. I mean, if you don't take Derek Favors, is there somebody out there who can replace him pretty well, you think? Yeah, probably. I mean, I haven't looked into it, obviously, but I just, I'm not very high on him, like, just with the injury history and mm-hmm. mostly that. And I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen him really show, like, he's 26 years old. He really should have showed right. his potential by this point. Like a, like a Tobias yeah, Harris I've... type of, like, He's in that range, you know, where Tobias Harris has really showed what he can do on the Clippers. Derek Favors hasn't really impressed me very much. Yeah, I'm I'm going to have to disagree with you, Sean. I think I'm going to I bring him back if you can stay within a reasonable amount. So he he got paid 14 million this year. I think if you stay within 14, no more than like 16, I think I try to bring him back. Yeah. Use this as your advantage moving forward, unless there's somebody out there better, I guess, somehow. Uh, maybe they can, maybe I, I they really can land one of these big free agents, though. I mean, everyone saw yeah. what Donovan Mitchell can do. They made it to the second round of the playoffs when everyone thought they'd be like the 11th seed. 
And that's pretty attractive yeah. for, for a guy that wants to compete. It's like if I insert myself as like a star player onto that lineup, good things could happen. LeBron James to Utah, LeBron. is that what you're saying? I'm thinking Kawhi Leonard to Utah. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, yeah. That, I think Kawhi Leonard on any team would be good. <laughs> yes, but they have the cap <laughs> yeah. for him. That's all I'm saying. They do. That's true. One, um, one last so thing on. I want to say about this, actually. Oh. Sorry. Clint Capella needs more credit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did not mention because him. Because Clint Capella. And he, he did cross my mind. He, he gamed against Gobert. Like, everyone thought oh, Gobert was just going to gobble Capella up. And you know what? Honestly, it was more the other way around, man. I don't. I didn't look up the stat for how many uh, what the blocks per game was in this series for Capella, but in the games I watched him play, he blocked at least three a game, and it, he mm-hmm. looked dominant out there. And he's only twenty three years old, two years younger than Gobert. Yeah, and he he made him look silly, man, in some of these plays. And Capella, he's he stepped up so huge for this team. It's pretty unbelievable. When this team, you think it's just going to be mm-hmm. Harden and Paul and a bunch of role players. It's actually kind of a big three with these guys. No. Yep. I can agree with you 100%. I mean, I think I mentioned it in some earlier podcasts during the regular season at some point where when the Rockets went on that huge run where, yeah, and Chris Paul was in and out of the lineup with injuries, but Clint Capella was always the consistent force there yeah. um, defending defending the, the basket for the Rockets. So, yeah, the their big jump – Partly attributed to Chris Paul, but you got to give some of that percentage of credit also to Clint Capella's breaking out year, and he's going to want to get paid next year. Oh, so yeah. that's a, that's <laughs> something else the Rockets probably aren't thinking about now. But Clint Capella has definitely warranted himself a big payday. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, all that training with Hakeem Olajuwon, man, like that's mm-hmm. going to make you good for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's gr- he was great, and that's he can do. He's a little bit. Well, he has one aspect that's a little bit stronger than Rudy Gobert in that he, he's a great defensive player, but he's also great on the switch. He can guard guys, guard, guards, guard guards <laughs> a little bit better than Rudy Gobert yeah. can, I think. Right. Yeah, we, we saw when Rudy Gobert had to switch on to like a Chris Paul or James Harden. It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, exactly. But Utah Jazz, I think, are in a good place. Um for the Houston Rockets, well, they move on to the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. The most predictable outcome <laughs> out of all of this. Yeah, um, so but excited. it's finally here. Yeah, and Chris Paul, first time in his 13-year career that he's in the Western Conference Finals. He's moved on from blowing that 3-1 lead against OKC back mm. in his Clipper days or the 2-0 lead he uh, had against the Trailblazers. Uh, or he had a cup. The Clippers had a couple 2-0 I know, leads. I know. I don't want to remember that right now. I'm, I'm, yeah. Despite him being not a Clipper anymore, I'm, I am actually happy for him that he was able to to make it here because he he does deserve it. Even though he could win the title for whiniest player in the league, floppiest player mm-hmm. in the league, he's a great player and he really deserved to make it this far. Yeah, he's not just riding on James Harden's coattail as we saw. And that elimination game against Utah where he blew up for more than 40 points. Yeah. So he's in here. He wanted to be here. And now the real test begins for this Houston Rockets team. I mean, beating Utah, I'm sure, is great for them. Um, winning that first round. I don't even remember who they played in the first round now. Oh, the Timberwolves, <laughs> <Yep>. of course. <laughs> Forgettable. I'm sure, that's all nice. But James Harden has been to this Western Conference Finals. Um, the, the, the His entire crew, Mike D'Antoni, was there too mm-hmm. as well last year. Their big goal is to move on from there and take down this Warrior team. And it'll be interesting in the two best offensive teams going against one another. The Warriors ranking number one in offense, averaging 112 points per 100 possessions. And the Rockets right behind them at 112.23. Okay, so the Warriors are one. Wow. Yeah, so .01. So literally, yeah, if the Rockets would have made one more shot in the regular season, (laughs) it would have passed the Warriors in this ranking. But they didn't. They're second. And you know what? That's yeah. probably the correct ranking. The Warriors' offense, I would say, is still better than the Rockets, even though the Rockets mm-hmm. are an amazing offense. No, like, no disrespect to them. But, yeah, man, I'm really excited for this series. Even even as predictable as it was, it's the one that everyone wanted to see. Can yeah. the Rockets do it? This is the, the best chance the Western Conference has had at knocking out the Warriors in a really long time outside of mm-hmm. Zaza not breaking Kawhi Leonard's career last year when the Spurs were up 20 in game one. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, so what's interesting here, though, is this will be the first time the Warriors enter the Western Conference Final playing Game 1 and Game 2 on the road. Mm. Yeah. So they're a number two seed, so they have to win one game on the road against this Houston Rockets team that up to this point hasn't lost, right? They didn't lose a home game against the Timberwolves. They lost to the Jazz. Oh, they did yeah. lose one game, game in, against, against the, the Jazz. Jazz. You're it right. super surprising. But, I mean, it's still not okay. going to be easy for them to get steal a game from these Rockets, obviously. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. intensity is increasing even more than it already has. Like, the first two rounds of the playoffs are intense, but now it's the the conference finals. Like, this, this means business right yeah. now. It's Chris Paul's mm-hmm. first time here. You can guarantee that he's not satisfied just making the conference finals. He wants, he wants to make yeah. it all the way. James Harden wants to make it all the way. The Warriors have everything to lose, and the Rockets have everything to gain. So it's it's going to be an interesting series. It's going to be high scoring every game, obviously. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be really cool basketball for guys that love to watch three-point shooting. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> It'll be quick. That'll be That'll be interesting to see. I mean, do both of these teams want it to run, or is one team going to try to – to leverage their their slightly better half court game, um, <laughs> I, I guess so. in this case it it would be the Rockets. Maybe. Maybe James Harden has the better half court game than anybody on the Warriors team. But then again, it's hard to say that when you got Kevin Durant <laughs> on the Warriors. Right, it's it's gonna be fast paced. There's no, I don't <laughs> think there's any denying that. Like watching this game go slow would be really weird to watch. Like, what are these guys doing? Like, this is ridiculous. This is not how they play. And these teams are just going to yeah. play their game. And, you know, the Rockets are just going to have to get really lucky, honestly, with some of their three-point shooting. Like, they're going to have to shoot 50% three points in some of these games if they're going to want to win them. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, the Warriors, are they're going to be ready. But, I mean, yeah, keeping Harden off the line is going to be their big focus for this series. Yeah. And James Harden, he's going to he's going to have his flop game on point. It's like you thought he was flopping hard before. He's going to bring it to a whole new level when this much is on the line. Yeah. Yeah, and for, for the Rockets, I mean, you got to pick take your pick. Who do you want to light you up, I guess? Uh Clay Thompson, Curry or Durant? I mean, who do you focus your defensive intensity on and and who do you put on who? I guess James Harden, you have him on Klay Thompson. You put Chris Paul on, on Curry, uh, P.J. Tucker on Durant, or maybe you play a switcheroo between different guys. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, will Ariza, we even see Ryan Anderson play at all? Be... No. Oh, yeah, no, you got Ariza. Ryan Anderson cannot keep up with Kevin Durant. <laughs> but it's going to be a combination <laughs> That's of what I'm saying. P.J. We'll... Tucker and Trevor Ariza. Mm-hmm. I don't see anyone else being able yeah, to Yeah, and him. then... Yeah, and Clint Capella, he's going to have a big role on him. I'm sure they're going to be doing a lot of switches to get him either on Curry or Thompson or, I mean, even Kevin Durant. Right. I mean, Durant, um, every time I see him play, he's such a cheat code and <laughs> his length he really is. is so disruptive. Yeah, he makes every he's, shot look easy. Yeah, he's such a lean guy. And then on defense, because of his length, he reaches in and just kind of pokes that ball out of you. Um, Even if you're a young, yeah. you're a small guard like Chris Paul or a Damian Leonard, like, Durant just finds his way to get that ball out of your hands and just make things disruptive. Right. It's, yeah, he's going to be impossible to stop. I mean, the only thing the Rockets have going for them is that they won the season series 2-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you have you have the advantage on them as far as victories go. You're just going to have to hold that. <laughs> yeah. See if, yeah, so you got to expand that, that 2-1 record uh to four wins before they get to theirs, obviously. So who who do you got, Rockets or Warriors winning this? I got to say Warriors. This, Warriors this, in six? Warriors in seven? Warriors or sweep? in... No, sweep. That would be so sad. That would, that, would, that would be a travesty to NBA fans who want to see this series. Like, yeah. it would be so anticlimactic, which, I don't know, maybe it will be. <laughs> I really hope not. I'm going to say Warriors in six, yeah. though. Warriors in six. They close it out at Oracle. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to go something crazy because I want the Rockets please, to win. I'm going to say the Rockets in seven. All right. I Rockets like in it. seven. They close this out in Houston <laughs> with a big game from Chris Paul going 40 points again. Hey. James Harden <laughs> going big. 
Draymond Green in foul trouble. Kevin Durant <laughs> in foul trouble. Draymond Green ejected? Possibly. <laughs> That's interesting. The foul game is going to be He's going to be so gonna be mad crazy here. Because if the Warriors are – their only Achilles heel is that they complain about every single foul call. Every single mm-hmm. foul call. It is without fail. Like when they like hit a guy over the head, they're like yelling at the ref. Like, <laughs> how is that a foul? And it's like yeah. if they get ejected or get like into foul trouble, at, at, at least against Harden's flopping, Paul, Chris Paul's flopping, it, it could get pretty choppy out there. Yeah, they're a thin roster too. If if they end up with foul trouble issues throughout the series, that could come back and bite them. Um, if you got to sub out Draymond Green for Saza Pachulia, or oh. you got to throw Kevin Looney out there, or Nick Young playing some extended yeah, minutes, swaggy <laughs> getting out there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's kind of sad uh, when we're talking about the Rockets' best hope being in their flopping ability. <laughs> hey, you got to use everything you can to your advantage. I mean, you saw how closely ranked these teams are on the offensive in terms of offensive ranking. Yeah, I mean, literally point zero one. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but moving on to the Eastern Conference, all hail the King LeBron James. <sighs> Man. Hunted down the Raptors, renamed Toronto to LeBronto. LeBronto. With the LeBrontosaurus Rex came yep. in and destroyed <laughs> Toronto, man. Swept them 4-0. Yeah. Lots of people had the Raptors winning this series. They're the better team. LeBron's team sucks. They barely beat the Pacers. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. In the end, LeBron. It's all talk. Man, he... Yeah, it's crazy how many times you can doubt LeBron in one lifetime and he continues to prove <laughs> you wrong. Yeah, he's proved his record against his playoff record against the Toronto Raptors to 12 and 2 um since their last since their first meeting back in like 2015. <laughs> so, they had two two victories is, on him. Not a series victories. Yep. These are just victories within a series. Right, and he closes them out this game, finishing one twenty-eight to ninety-three. Yeah. So the Raptors, I guess, were the opposite of what the Pelicans were against the Warriors, and they pretty much just threw in the towel. It, it seemed like in they game gave three up after and game, game four. Yeah, they gave it everything they yeah. had, and that LeBron game winner that had to have been the dagger for them in this series. I mean, obviously, it was, they it won them, got them up three-zero, and also almost insurmountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it is insurmountable in the NBA, um, a defeat. Yeah. And, yeah, I think DeRozan just cannot play against LeBron. Like, you see, you mm-hmm. saw how well he played um, in the regular season, had one of his best seasons of his career, but then he goes up against this one guy, and then all of a sudden it changes. And he even gets benched for the entire fourth quarter in that game three when they came back, and he gets ejected. Mm-hmm. Um, for I, I didn't think he deserved to get ejected for this hit that he had no. on Jordan Clarkson, but I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess the ref saw otherwise and he got ejected for for that. And it was just it was really sad to see him kind of just this downfall of Demar Derozan happen over the course of this series. Yeah, and the whole team in in general. I mean, the bench, the bench mob came to play. I mean, the Raptors didn't play all that bad. They were still hovering between. As a team, shooting between forty-eight to fifty-two percent, um, they missed a lot of wide-open shots to close out games. Namely, Game One when Valachunas kept missing shots at the basket. Um, Freddie Van Fleet obviously missed that potential game winner in Game One. He shouldn't have been shooting it in the first place. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moments throughout these games where you could just nitpick and be like, "Yeah, that was it." Like, if you would have just done this little thing differently. Probably the momentum would have shifted, but ultimately they didn't. Um, LeBron James, though, putting in fadeaways in that game, oh too. I mean, that was essentially the fadeaway <laughs> game where in that third quarter he just made, I believe, like five fadeaways back-to-back. He made, like, yeah, five consecutive yeah. shots and just destroyed the spirit of that Raptors team. Right, and then in an interview afterwards, he, he was talking about how sometimes two points is more than two points. And I think he was talking about yeah. those fadeaways where it's like – if. He's making those shots, these unguardable, ridiculous shots. It completely mm-hmm. demoti- It takes the soul out of the team that's trying to guard him. It's like, yeah. what can we do? We we can't do anything. Like, what what chances do we have? So in that in that way, yeah. it's way more than two points. It's it demoralized them, 
And I mm-hmm. mean, another great thing about the for the Cavs is that Kevin Love looks like he's finally resurging and like just at the yep. right time too. Average twenty five points, mm-hmm. eleven rebounds on fifty four percent shooting. Um, that yeah. yeah, great performance from him. I think I think LeBron completely taking over these games took a lot of pressure off him, obviously, but he's still making his shots, and hey, you, you gotta respect that. Yeah, you saw Kyle Korver have some great games out there as well. Tristan Thompson coming back from his tabloid fiasco or whatever the <laughs> hell was going on with him because I don't Who think there was enough. Well, there was. He was injured in the regular season, so maybe there was some um, some basketball fitness things, dilemmas going on with him. Maybe he just wasn't fit enough to play an NBA game because of these injuries or something. But he came back, and he had some solid outings, re- some solid offensive rebounds and defensive plays to get this team some couple wins. So this team is looking good going into the Eastern Conference, better than ever. Um, despite this little minor, it seems minor, incident with Rodney Hood, who apparently refused to check into the game in the last seven minutes, which was essentially dead time at that at that yeah, moment. Yeah, time. Yeah, uh, I thought it was weird. I mean, I heard I heard a report out there saying that Ronnie Hood maybe has anxiety issues and he just didn't kind of is a little bit hesitant to play in the playoffs or something, huh. or is or is he just some type, or does he just kind of think he's too good to be playing at that at those moments, or was he upset for his lack of playing time throughout the series? Yeah, that anxiety thing's interesting. I I didn't mm-hmm. think that this would become like a mental disorder thing. My my first impression of it was that he's upset that his role is diminished during these playoffs, and I mean he hasn't been playing well, so it's not a surprise that he hasn't gotten the minutes that he thinks he deserves. But mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, like, what what say do you have as Rodney Hood to say I shouldn't be in the game during garbage time because I'm not a garbage time player? Like, who cares, man? Like, you're part of this team. Like, you should just be happy mm-hmm. that you're about to sweep this team and go to the final. Like, he's just looking out for himself a little too much, and that looks yeah. really bad. And uh, his teammates probably are gonna respect him a whole lot less because of it. And it's going to yeah, hurt his it's value. It's a bad time. It's a bad, yeah, terrible time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I hope they, they get this uh, sorted out because, well, he is a restricted free agent, so the ball is in the Cavaliers' court whether or not they want to offer this guy a contract. But I think, I mean, there's still a lot of basketball to be played before I think the Cavs make any sort of opinion on whether or not he's worth bringing back. At least this, I mean, this. what better time to... Um, redeem your your character than in the Eastern Conference Finals <laughs> to help get this team back into the NBA Finals. Right, exactly. And yeah, so what what do you think the Raptors can even do right now in this offseason to even hope well, to beat LeBron next year? That this was their not, year, man. This is the year they were gonna do it. They they had everything. They had all the pieces they needed, right? Yeah, they had. This is a great team. I mean, no question. The Raptors are still. A great team. I mean, 59 wins. They were right there, pretty close to getting 60 wins. Um, But, I mean, LeBron James, he's one of the best players to ever play the game. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's top three. I mean, I would say he's probably easily top two right now. definitely. Uh, uh, So it's hard to beat somebody like that. But it goes to show you that you can build a great team, but if you just don't have that elite superstar it can be extremely difficult to make the nba finals let alone win the title unless you have james hard or like basically one of the top 10 players in the league right you can have a great team but you just can't can't get there and that's the situation the raptors find themselves is they have a great team but demar Derozan isn't quite top 10 kyle lowry is nowhere near that um i don't think demar is gonna get there nah but i also don't think you should blow this team up because the Toronto Raptors franchise has struggled for years before they got this core together to make it to the playoffs that many consecutive years. I think you kind of just keep riding this roster. You got DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry locked up. Um, I think if you make a change, maybe you find out if you can trade Ibaka or, or Valashunas. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, these guys are also locked, locked up for another three years. Um, all four of this core making more than 15 million a year, uh, namely Lowry and Damar and Ibaka making more than 22 million. Right. Uh, but there's there's some hope in that. Uh, OG, this guy, OG, this rookie player. Yeah, dude, he he's good. He's, a good he's guy, good. Yeah. 
He's 20 years old, and you still have him for three more years. Van Fleet, he's good. He's young. Um, You got a, a handful of other young guys that you still got locked up. So I, I think you keep you keep moving on with this team and and hope this bench continues to develop in the right direction because they're young guys, and you're not paying them very much either. Yeah, and it's an amazing team all around. Mm-hmm. And But the, I have to ask you this, Alan. Does this mean that you're okay being a franchise that – gets knocked out of the second round every year. I mean, at some point you got to be realistic with yourself. I don't I don't really I don't see the reason why you would want to go into complete rebuild mode because you can um except if you wanted to do that you you're going to hurt your team pretty badly. I guess you would trade DeMar DeRozan. You'd have to do a deal where like you trade DeMar DeRozan Maybe OKC for Carmelo or something what like that. Or you that trade do? DeMar. <laughs> How would that help? No, that's, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, it wouldn't help your oh, team at all. Yeah. You would essentially be blowing it up. Yeah, okay. Because you're taking the expiring yeah. contract. Yeah, or you trade DeMar and get Luol Dang back Ooh, or something. There you go. Now, Yeah, now you're just thinking for the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, that's for the Lakers. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's hard to make little trades here and there to improve this team because it's hard to trade Ibaka – and Valasunas, I think, uh, just I given the size Valachunas. of their contract, I, I would I would try to trade a buck if I could though. Like that contract is beefy, and honestly, he looked terrible in the playoffs. He didn't do much of anything. Yeah, he looks like an older. He's only twenty eight, which I was surprised. He looks like he's thirty two yeah. now. I don't. I, he aged five years somewhere in that in the last three years. Yeah, the athleticism that he had in OKC is is gone, and but it's hard. I don't know how many teams would want an older Ibaka without some without without it being paired up with like one of one of their young guys that they have, and most likely it'll be this kid OG. Yeah, and you don't I mean, want to I get would, rid of OG. That that guy, no. he was a big reason why they almost came back and won that third quarter game, uh, or that that third game uh, when Demar Derozan got benched in the fourth quarter. Um, he exactly. he was the catalyst there, the the rookie getting it done. I bet I bet the mm-hmm. Nets would take Ibaka. They they love taking horrible contracts. <laughs> they do. Yeah, I guess you can make something work like that. I mean, maybe you can you can sign like Dante like Dante Exum hmm. might be something you could add to this team, or maybe Rodney Hood. Like Rodney Hood wouldn't be a bad a bad addition to yeah, this team if he was willing bad, to take as long as he doesn't have playoff yeah. anxiety. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can do little free agent additions like that, but uh, with if you're gonna trade one in and trade Ibaka or Val Valashunas, maybe not him, but Ibaka's mainly his awful contract. You're <laughs> yeah. gonna have to pair it up with one of these young guys. Yeah, and that that would be that would be a pretty big hit for them. So I think we're both in consensus that we want this roster to kind of stay the way it is. It's a good team. They have a great coach. Might as well just see what you can make of it. Yeah, I mean, if I work in finance for the Toronto Raptors and I'm in charge of whether or not this franchise makes money, I'd keep this team because this franchise, there was a huge gap between Vince Carter and this core of like very little ticket sales and relevance (laughs) in the NBA. I don't think I would want to get back to that. Yeah, it'll keep them afloat for a while, this this lineup. They'll they'll sell plenty of tickets and they'll they'll make decent money and they'll be a successful franchise in the eyes of a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah, well, how about the Boston Celtics coming out on top, beating the 76ers 4-1 um, in that ridiculous game to close it out, which came down to the final possession. Um, but Jason Tatum, Al Harford, uh, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, they did it. They, they did it. <laughs> brought the, they brought the Celtics to the Eastern Conference Finals. I didn't think this was going to happen, but wow. here it is. Um, but, I mean... Is there much to celebrate here? They're going to the Eastern Conference Finals against a player that their franchise has been two and four against um, since since ever <laughs> since LeBron has started playing right. the Boston Celtics in the playoffs. Yeah, man, and it is going to be really tough. I can't see this team beating LeBron. I just can't. No, like maybe if they had Kyrie and that. So that, that's the travesty of this whole situation, though, is that we do get to mm-hmm. see Cavs Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals like we wanted in the preseason. But the most important right. part of this matchup is not going to play. And that makes me really sad. Yeah. Kyrie Irving, right? Yep, Kyrie Irving. 
is going to be LeBron versus Kyrie, man. There's no storyline here anymore. This no, is going to be the coolest get... storyline of the whole season is seeing who comes out on top. Now we don't we're mm-hmm. robbed of that. We'll have to wait till next year, I guess. Yeah, but um, what were, it was it was surprising that the Celtics won had an easier time with the 76ers team than they did with the Milwaukee Bucks. I thought the 76ers were by far a better team than the Milwaukee Bucks, given Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and JJ Redick and the system right. they had going there. Yeah, um, I, I think. Very surprising of, of Ben Simmons to kind of just throw the ball away a lot of times, put together a lot of sloppy plays, um, struggle to get himself in uh, closer to the rim to score. Joel Embiid also had a hard time scoring on Aaron Baines through those first two games. <laughs> Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ben Simmons did not look comfortable in any part of this series. He even had a game where he only scored one point. This is a guy that's, that's supposed right. to be the next LeBron or like the next greatest player in the league, and he scores one point. That is so mm-hmm. pathetic. I can't even imagine like how frustrating it must have been for him to just completely get blanketed mm-hmm. by the Celtics this series. I mean, he really he just has to develop a jump shot. Is what it has to. Yeah, it's what it comes down to. It's like his game's so one-dimensional. You go up against a great coach like Brad Stevens that knows how to exploit your weaknesses on defense, and he just takes complete advantage of that. And he looked all yeah. all out of sorts out there. I I didn't see the number of like how many turnovers he averaged in this series, but it was a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was taken out of the game a couple times there uh, with. Uh, with Brown opting to go with TJ McConnell or and Dario Saric and JJ Redick as opposed to having Ben Simmons co- uh, command the ball out there. TJ McConnell had um, an awesome series though, by the way. He did. He did. He he was yeah, oh, he I almost told you he was, was a hero. good player. He, he is. He's and you know, he's always gonna be that underdog player though. You know, he's like a six foot white guy. But he gets yeah. it done. Yeah, he doesn't light up the the stat sheet, I mean, he's not a huge scorer, but he's just one of those guys. He's very efficient, and he just knows basketball, and he puts the ball in good places and doesn't do anything fancy. He gives the the great uh, bounce pass or the great handoff pass, which this team also struggled doing. Joel Embiid had a couple of turnovers in closing minutes. on Was it game two, I believe? Mm-hmm. Um, and just sim- just simply handing the ball off to, to J.J. Redick. Right, yeah. They, I mean, the whole Sixers team just... They they would fall apart at the end of some of these games. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of game five, I mean, they had a they had a four point lead going into the final two minutes of the game, and you know they give up they they go on an eight two losing run to end the game uh, with the Celtics and yeah they just they they need to come back next year with a little more poise than they did this year. Yeah, um, the Celtics I just guess... looked more ready than they did. Yeah, exactly, and that's the I guess that's the funny thing in that. You you can say oh the experience won out this 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 series. But really the yeah. the lineup <laughs> the lineup that the Celtics had out there was maybe just as inexperienced as the 76ers right. lineup when you consider who was actually when you compare starting lineups. I guess outside of Al Horford and JJ Redick, everybody else had very little NBA experience. Right. Yeah, that, it's really crazy to think about. These teams were yeah, they're both just super youthful and the better coach won the series. That's just really what it came down to. And I, the mm-hmm. way that he would use his timeouts at the ends of games is what won them some of these games. Yeah, um, yeah, because it I came down to some was, final possessions. Yeah, if it was um, game two or game three, it might have even been both. But what he'd do is he'd wait to see what the Sixers were doing and what his guys were doing with the ball. And if he saw something he didn't like, then he'd call the timeout. Then he'd run a play, which I mean, all of his plays always ended up in points too. Is yeah, and impressive. they were right at the basket too. Yeah, super impressive. Like there was this one play I remember at the end of the game when uh, he had it on the baseline, and all of the guys like basically pushed their guys over to the three point line, and it isolated Horford against uh, Robert Covington. I think it was, mm-hmm. and he just lobbed it yep. over to him, and he's just right by the basket, and there's no one to help him out. It was, it was a brilliant yeah. play. It's a simple play, but it works perfectly. And th- this is a guy yeah. that he drew up this amazing play, and he had he's having probably the most amazing coaching play- playoff career right now. 
and he didn't even get a single mm-hmm. vote for coach of the year and that is super sad yeah yeah none of his uh, associates i guess agreed with the statement that brad stevens is coach of the year um so the winner of that was dwayne casey i in my eyes i think i still think that's well deserved i mean the raptors maintained the same team they didn't make any crazy roster changes but yet um improved their team by a, by a, by more than a dozen wins from last year so that that's a good that's a good point for Dwayne Casey but Brad Stevens I to not get a single vote that I that is a little surprising yeah it's very surprising when you I mean you had other great coaches like Brett Brown and Nate McMillan and Quinn Snyder they all got at least one vote and Brad Stevens mm-hmm. gets no votes for having all these injuries happen to him during the season and having the second seed in the east and now he's in the conference finals. Uh, I mean, not that it means anything, but it's crazy to think that he's not getting the respect I feel like he deserves. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure he's not losing sleep no, over it no. since he's got a plan for this Cavaliers team who um, the Celtics are meeting up with ultimately in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Cavs won that series 2-1. to one. Um, So let's see who takes this. I mean, Who's going to guard LeBron James? Do you put Marcus Smart on him? Jalen Brown? Jason Tatum? Yeah. I mean, and so that's the thing. Is, they, do any of these guys do anything? Yeah, so they have all the guys with the size to guard LeBron. I mean, size being relative because no one's as big or strong as LeBron. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you have Jason Tatum, who's 6'8". I think Jalen Brown's 6'7". Uh, Marcus Morris, he's, he's around the same size as Tatum. And, mm-hmm. and, I mean, Al Horford can't keep up with him speed-wise, but size-wise he can. They they have yeah. the type of player that you need to try to guard LeBron in multiple positions, so they can even switch pretty well. So on paper, it looks mm-hmm. like they can they will be able to do at least better than the Raptors did. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's LeBron and it's the conference finals, and who are, who are these young kids to deny him another chance at a championship? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess the Celtics, what they got to do if they want to beat this Cavalier team, um, I want to say limit LeBron James to under 40 points a game. (laughs) Probably not going to (laughs) happen. Oh, man, lofty goals here. Yeah, so I think if the Celtics are going to win this, they got to bring out Jay. They got to turn J.R. Smith to J.R. Trash. (laughs) They had to make Kyle Korver go one for eight from three. They got to make it hell for Kevin Love to to either shoot or or score down low, which I think he's going to have a hard time. I think Horford's going to make it hard for him. But the key there is going to be can can he chase him around um, when when off the curls when he's he's opting out to shoot yeah. the shoot the three or are they going to switch there and if they switch who are they putting on there and then can that person that switch keep up with whoever else is is roaming around whether it's jr smith <laughs> or uh, kyle corver or jeff you're Green. making this I mean, sound hell, really hard <laughs> i mean this is gonna this is gonna be complex and that's the game that the Cavs play is they make you switch and everybody they throw out there can shoot and if you don't run people off or if you run people off the three-point line too hard then you got a lebron james dunk yep in in front of so you so the one thing the celtics have going for them is home court advantage they're that's the true yeah this year and so they're they're undefeated at home in these playoffs uh unfortunately they're one in five on the road so that's not encouraging um but if they can hold home court advantage then they can win in seven games right <laughs> Yeah, but this is a Cav team. This is a Cavs team that can win on the road. They just won two yeah. games in Toronto to to sweep. And one of them wasn't even um, close. Exactly. I mean, with LeBron, that I gotta say that LeBron James that fadeaway shot is so reminiscent of Kobe Bryant and some oh, of the yeah. Michael Jordan highlights mm-hmm. that I've seen. It's, it's a deadly shot. And if you can get that going, uh, there's not much you can do. And I'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see if he pulls out of his back pocket as we get closer um, I mean, to the NBA Finals. It's already been pulled out of the back pocket. He brought out every fadeaway jumper under the sun against the Raptors. He did. There was that one in game four where he was, it was a baseline fadeaway jumper where he was behind the oh, basket yeah. when, he, when he finished his shot and he swooshed it. It was unbelievable. Like that at that point, yeah. you're just like, yeah, this this game's completely over. Like, <laughs> there's no hope for them at all. Yeah, I'm interesting. I doubt it. I don't think he even could see the basket when he make that oh, turn around no and way. shoot it. 
Yeah. But yeah. he just knows. It's muscle memory. Right, completely. <laughs> he probably practiced that shot a couple hundred times in practice. Yeah, exactly. So, final thoughts to close this game out. So, only four teams remain. Um, basically, what we all predicted in the preseason come, two of them were continue to be predicted even through the 82 games. But the other two on the Eastern Conference side, the Cavs and the Celtics, there were many moments where we, I mean, even the Cavs was a thought whether they would make the playoffs. I guess the same for the Celtics early on when Gordon Hayward went down. The thoughts were like, well, will these will these team even make will these teams even make the playoffs? And if they do, um, will they even have home court advantage? But yet here they are uh, meeting yeah. in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Celtics losing Gordon Hayward, losing Kyrie Irving, losing Jalen Brown at some point in the playoffs, losing Marcus Smart for a portion of the first round yeah. and a big portion of the final stretch in the regular season. And for the Cavs. They lost Kevin Love for 20 games. They traded four of their <laughs> 10 players, including three of their starters. J.R. Smith turned to J.R. Trash at times. Tristan Thompson lost in tabloid talk, but yet here this team is. So what's more? Who had the most most impressive run? Or like, who are you most impressed that is actually here, the Cavs or the Celtics, given what they've been through? Mm, that's a tough one, man. It's, it's actually even... My first instinct though yeah. is to say the Celtics, because I mean you don't have okay. Hayward for the entire season, and so they were yeah. having a good regular season. Not like, but once Hayward went out, the first instinct was this team is not going to make the playoffs because it's just Kyrie. But then yeah. Jalen Brown steps up, and Jason Tatum steps up, and Terry Rozier steps up, and Brad Stevens just shows what an amazing coach he is. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, the Celtics are the best. And they were the number one in the East for a while. And then Kyrie Irving goes down. And you're like, okay, they're just going to get bumped by the Bucks in the first round, even though they have their 55 and whatever record. And they win that right. one. And then everyone's like, okay, the 76ers are going to be the team that makes it to the finals this year. That's what people were saying. Right. They're like, they're the favorite to win the finals. And I think I even said that at some point. I probably did. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> they made them look like trash. So, they did. honestly... I'm going to have to give it to the Celtics. Like, hats off, man. That is true. I mean, you you might have convinced me. I didn't know how I was going to answer this question, but I think I'm going to go with the Celtics, and I'm going to take a different angle than you. I think the Cavs, yeah, all this happened, but hey, the Cavs, you still have the greatest player in the NBA right now, possibly top three in of all time. The Celtics, all Harford has been the consistent guy on that squad. Yeah. Um, and Jason Tatum, an NBA rookie, just fresh out of Duke University, <laughs> um, and Brad Stevens, and yet here they are in the Eastern Conference Finals, taking down the 76ers 4-1, um, taking down the Milwaukee Bucks and their Greek freak. So, yeah, yeah the Celtics, yeah, hats off to you. Um, hope you guys make it an interesting series because you'll probably get swept in the NBA Finals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for real, though, do we think any either of these teams isn't going to get swept? Maybe the Cavs win Maybe. one game. I still think they'd get Maybe. swept, even with LeBron. I, I hate to say it, but either way, yeah. Is this will be these conference finals might be the most entertaining series, so we should enjoy these while they last. Exactly. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in, and don't forget to subscribe and tune into us weekly as we break down, continue to break down the NBA playoffs and also the NBA draft when it comes time to do that and summer free agency thanks everybody for tuning in don't forget to like us on facebook too have a good week everyone